the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. And so much to hit on. First of all, reacting to uh, what Karen Garrigan was saying from the Boston Herald about the uh, Raiders and Josh McDaniels. I didn't like the part there where she said that McDaniels has to have some, well, she said some control, but also some control of the situation. I'm not really sure that the OC of the Patriots deserves to have, especially with his background, deserves to have much say in terms of dictating the roster. He's in a weird position, is he not? Let's take McDaniels completely out of the discussion, Cofield. I don't even think you have to go there. All you have to do is look at what happened last time when you gave the head coach control of the roster. It didn't work out very well for John Gruden. Uh, He traded away the stars. He wasted the draft picks. It's not a sustainable situation. So if you're asking specifically about Josh McDaniels, that goes from no to hell no because he hasn't proven anything in terms of his ability even to run a team, let alone to run a roster. So, no, I mean, I understand that everybody from the Belichick tree comes with control issues. Uh, Hello, Joe Judge. But you can't then turn the rest of the franchise over to him, too. And I love that she said, I don't know, multiple times, and I'm not ripping on her about the Texans. Does anyone know about the Texans? Oh, Karen. If McDaniels is a real head coach candidate, he spoke glowingly in public about Casario. How is he not the coach? Yeah, uh, Casario, Easterby. It, it, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, oh, it, it runs deep, man. McNair, it, it runs deep in, in Houston. And Karen, I think Karen's first reaction to us was just that nervous little laugh was like, yep. oh, I know so much more than I'm going to tell you right now about why that will never happen. It's amazing. I so hope that they hire Josh McCown. Please. Oh, that perfect. Would be yes. Go for it. Go for it. Then Casario can be in the headset. And it'll, for Josh McCown, it'll be like he never left the field. It's perfect. We know Casario was in there last year as the GM trying to talk to David Cully. Now it's time to get to Adam Candy's favorite saga to follow the Mahomes clan. So this week, early news on uh, the game over the weekend. Nothing to do with his brother yet. It was more to do with the fiance. So what was uh, good old Brittany up to? Oh, Your favorite. You love I don't this. Understand. You love, you I just love the coverage of Brittany Matthews. I don't understand why everyone has to be so hard on everyone around Patrick Mahomes. They just don't give the Mahomes family a break ever. And it's not like they're seeking out the spotlight, right? It's not, not like, no, Brittany and Jackson don't want anything to do with being in public, guys. Victims. They're victims. And so what did she do that got her in so much trouble? She sprayed some champagne on the fans at Arrowhead after the Chiefs won in overtime against the Bills. How dare you pretend to be offended by having the champagne of a Mahomes on your person? How dare you? I, as a child, going to Shea Stadium, yes, 
Shea Stadium, touched Dwight Gooden's car on the way out of the parking lot. I didn't wash my hands for a week. If you get a piece of the Mahomes family on you, you keep that. And so she went to social media and got very upset that some people were mad at her, saying, well, oh, you think that everybody just wants to have champagne all over them in freezing temperatures? She basically said, I can't win. She can't win, Cofield. She yeah. can't win. Giselle can't win. She might just drop Tom Brady right back home. Giselle cannot win for losing. Shailene Woodley, Danica Patrick, Olivia Munn, the Rogers tree as they're known. Yeah. They don't want attention. They don't want people looking at them. It's not like it's their job to have people looking at them all the time. So let me ask you a question. Let's talk about a real All-American. Who's Josh Allen's girlfriend? <laughs> I don't even know who Josh Allen's girlfriend you know, is. You, you know, know what's hilarious about this? What? On on the TMZ page mm. about uh, Brittany Matthews, Mahomes' lady, there is a story right there that says Hot Sports Galleries, and it says, I, I didn't know this before I just saw it, but it has a picture of Josh Allen and his lady. I guess her name is Brittany Williams. All the Britneys are winning out here. Very popular name some uh, 25 years ago. Um, I, I would have no idea what her name was, except that it's sitting right in front of me, but I get your point. Hit me, baby, one more time. Why can't Brittany Matthews be like football players who seek no attention, like Antonio Brown? Brother, I hear you. I, I don't understand. Brother, I hear you. I'm telling you. Folks. You Go ahead, Candy. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't want the responsibility for this setup. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> must watch TV tonight. Uh, Brian Gumble has an interview on Real Sports with Antonio Brown and his attorney. Here's some of the uh, doozies that came out of this one. Antonio, I saw where you seem to resent the feelings of so many former coaches and, and teammates that you were in need of, of mental assistance. Does that bother you? Mental assistance from who? Professional assistance. To the extent any of that is coming from a spin that Antonio had a spontaneous mental episode, it's resentful and it's hurtful, and it's a disservice to people who do suffer from mental health challenges. We all have our, our difficulties, Antonio, myself, everybody. Yeah, these guys at Tampa Bay Bucks tried to make an agreement with me to give me $200,000 to go to the crazy house so these guys could look like they know what they're talking about. You know, it's a disservice to all the people who struggle with mental health. Two seconds later, Antonio Brown's talking about the crazy house. Okay. You guys need to get on the same page. So then Gumble's like, wait, wait, wait. It would, like the crazy house part, you, like you're burying the lead. 200, what? 200,000? These guys are wait, professional. Wait, 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 wait. They, they offered you $200,000 for what? The, off, the offer was Antonio would basically sit on the sidelines, go on some list, uh, and commit himself to some form of intensive mental health treatment. And we were specifically told in writing by the general manager twice, don't spin this any other way. Antonio, do you think you need mental help of any kind? I have mental wealth, man. I know a lot of people may not understand me. Uh... I have no idea what that. I have mental wealth. Um, I don't believe it. Uh, his attorney is the same one who said the vac stuff was all fake. That, you know, he had fake vax. That, that story was fake. So that was fake news. That was a lie. Um, I don't believe there's a $200,000 offer. I don't believe it's in writing. I don't believe after seeing Antonio Brown dance on his tiptoes three days ago 
that ankle surgery is imminent. I don't believe any of it. And But the one thing I do believe is that he does need help. That I do believe, Candy. It is truly resentful, to use the attorney's word, to look at Antonio Brown and not see a man with problems. And how you define those problems is up to you. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am not a therapist. But it doesn't take much to look at Antonio Brown and his actions over the last few years and see a man crying out for help. And if you are someone like that attorney, you're enabling him. I get it. The man's got a job to do if you're Antonio Brown's attorney. Because guess what? You're not the first attorney, and you won't be the last attorney that Antonio Brown has. But to take advantage of a guy who clearly has a problem that needs to be addressed and then to make some sort of light of the fact that he might have mental health issues, that's the real crime. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. It just feels like there's always some type of drama going on around Aaron Rodgers. Maybe one of the most special talents we've ever seen in the history of the game. But is it worth it if you're going through a rebuild to pay this man to go through the drama again, another offseason? Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Uh, so much to get to with our national insider from Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons. We got uh, Jason Williams talking about Aaron Rodgers there. Maybe stick to basketball, bro. Uh, we've also got... The story that Candy cannot get enough of, and I'm sure Miles wants in on. Uh, Brittany Matthews, Brittany Matthews, Mahomes lady, angry again, Miles. Uh, she just said recently after her bubbly selly, people actually speak like this, um, that she's being attacked after bubbly selly. I'm a winner. Haters are losers. Miles, are you a loser? I mean, no, but I'm also not a, a Chiefs and or Patrick Mahomes hater. So, I mean, a Jackson Mahomes hater, maybe, because I think he's very annoying on social media. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, generally, no, I, I cannot say that I am a Mahomes hater. Okay. Are you an Antonio Brown hater? Actually, better said, <laughs> you believe what he is saying now on Real Sports Tonight, that $200,000 in hush money was offered to Antonio Brown. I feel like the more he and his attorney speak, like, they think they have a legal case. What they're developing is actually a defamation case against them with some of the horse crap they're making up. Do, do you see this as any bit believable? Well, no, I mean, I agree with you. And, and the way they're approaching it is kind of a losing strategy. Look, I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't think there's a there there when it comes to Antonio Brown and, you know, what he's saying. They tried to pay me, blah, blah. Like, that's called an injury settlement crap. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's not something that is untoward from the Buccaneers standpoint, especially if they did feel like he needed some kind of help, then it's, it's kind of weird to be like, well, I don't need it. And they're trying to, you know, defame me and blah, 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 blah. Like how can they make you look any worse than you look already looked when you take off your shirt and you're throwing stuff into the crowd because you got fired on the field? Like, I mean, I, I understand that the way that was handled from the Buccaneers standpoint, especially Bruce Arian standpoint probably was not the best, but at the same time, it's like, you have a history of doing reckless stuff. 
You know, everything that he did with Mike Mayock and kicking the football and calling him names, you know, at uh, a Raiders practice right before the season started in 2019. Like this is this is not out of character for Antonio Brown. So I don't I don't really know what he thinks he's going to get at here. Miles, the one thing that seems clear to me is that Antonio Brown has problems. Now, if you want to call it mental health, you want to call it personality, call it whatever you will. But it's impossible to watch what this guy has done over the past few years and not see that he has serious problems. So I'm going to ask what I feel like is a question we ask a hundred times over about other players, other problems. Has he used up his last chance in the NFL? <laughs> nope. <laughs> you see the way he was running routes? I mean, it's going to be a specific team that brings him in and they're going to have a specific purpose for him. Um, but no, I, I don't think we've seen the last of him in the NFL. I mean, he's been talking, you know, on social media or in some of those videos, whatever. And then uh, Lamar Jackson responded to it on social media, basically that, you know, he wants to go play with Lamar Jackson. I, it doesn't seem like the Ravens are going to have any interest in bringing him in. They're not the type of team that needs an Antonio Brown, and they're not going to deal with all the garbage that comes with having Antonio Brown. Uh, they weren't interested in him a couple years ago when he was available. So I don't think that they're going to be interested in him now um but I, I think that there could be a team certainly that has a need at receiver and watches the way that he still runs routes and they say you know what this might blow up in our faces but i don't know let's just see and maybe they bring him in and maybe he helps them win for a second and then eventually it blows up in their faces like it did with uh, the buccaneers i mean i guess what i'm struggling to see and i'm not questioning your part of this, this is just my own evaluation as i look sure. at this his last four head coaches are Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, Bill Belichick, and Bruce Arians. If it hasn't worked out with one of them, what organization is going to look at it and say, we can make this work? I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of curious what you think the profile of a team that might take on Antonio Brown would be. Well, I would say in some ways it did work with the Buccaneers, right? They won a Super Bowl with him, and he was a significant part of that. Now, when they brought him back, it didn't work. So it didn't work this year, but I, I really I have to argue that it did for last year. So it, my my thought would be, okay, you're, you have a contender that maybe a guy who gets injured in the middle of the season and like, say it could have happened with the Rams this year with Robert Woods, right? He goes down midseason and it just so happened that they just brought in Odell Beckham Jr. But what if they hadn't, you know, what if they still needed somebody, whatever, maybe whatever team Aaron Rodgers is on next year, he, it, somebody gets hurt and they really need a second option. Maybe they bring him in. Like that's the kind of team, somebody that's very close to being on the cusp of winning a championship and maybe needs that one piece to bring them over the top. That's the kind of profile where he could fit in. And you just hope, like I say, you can hold your nose and make it work for a few weeks, a couple of months, whatever it happens to be. But I think if you do win the Super Bowl and it works out like that, or you make a deep playoff run, then you got to cut ties because it's not going to work any longer. Miles Simmons joining us from Pro Football Talk and, of course, uh, Peacock as well. And I want to focus on the broadcast side of this here for a second miles uh how worried are you for your job now that sean payton <laughs> is coming to the broadcast world he's coming to take my job um yeah i think that i'm a little too small potatoes for sean payton to take my oh job don't sell yourself short 
Uh, well, I don't know. But yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I think that he definitely fits the profile of somebody maybe like a Bruce Arians who, you know, retired. And I say that with air quotes. Um, after that season, I think it was 17, right? And then I uh, spent the 18 season at CBS doing broadcasting. And then he's like, bleep this. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm not a broadcaster. And then he gets back into it. Um, but Sean Payton today, listening to that, that press conference just sounded like a guy who is tired and is like, I think that there's more to me than this and this city and this place and just being a football coach. And I'd like to try it at least for a little bit. And it's like, I'm tired of waking up this early and I'm tired of missing out on stuff. And one thing he said that stood out to me, it was like, he was talking about his kids and you know either birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. And it's like, they, it says from dad. And then you see your kids open the present and it's like, oh, this is great, but I know it's from mom. And it just felt like to me, he was saying like, I've missed so much out of my kids' lives and I want to be present for them. So, you know, everybody obviously is going to continue to speculate that he's going to be the coach of the Cowboys, maybe until the cows come home. I don't know. But right now, it just seems like he's a person who wants to take some time, spend it with his family, reset, regroup. Maybe he'll get back into coaching again in 2023. Or if he's really good at this TV thing and he really likes doing it, maybe he'll never get back down on the sideline like John Madden. So Tony Romo is making $15 million a year. John Gruden was making $10 million a year to be the Raiders head coach. And speaking of Christmas gifts, nobody loves shiny toys quite like Mark Davis. He's got to make the call, right? Oh, I think that Mark Davis is going to make a call. I think that uh, Jerry Jones is making a call. I think there are probably plenty of people who are making that call. But you also have to keep in mind that he's still under contract uh, with the Saints for a few more years, I think through 2024. So if you're going to do that, then you have to be prepared to give up some sort of compensation in terms of draft picks, likely, in in order to make that work. So, I mean, (laughs) I don't. The Saints need that. Like the Saints would probably be better off if they did trade Sean Payton in some way, just based on the way they're in cap hell and quarterback hell right now, um, and they're about to fall into the same irrelevancy that had that franchise, you know, that that that, that franchise was in for decades before Sean Payton and Drew Brees got there in 06. So, I mean, I don't see it happening right now, just based off of what he was saying today, and I really he came off as very sincere. Um, and that doesn't mean that it won't, you know, as he said, I, I don't plan on coaching in 2022 plans change. You know, if somebody backs up the Brink truck far enough, you know, and it's got enough money in that thing, then yeah, I bet come down onto the sideline. Um, but for right now, I, I don't, I don't see him coaching. I think he's going to go do TV. Miles, are you surprised the Raiders have kind of been one of the more quiet teams in the GM head coaching process and, uh, yes or no, is it a good sign or, or a bad sign? Um, it depends on who they end up with and, yeah, and how they, end up, and how they are in, in two years. Yeah, you know, because it, it, it's hard to evaluate the process if you don't know what the process is. Right. And I mean, when I think of process over results now, I just I can't help but think of Brandon Staley. But like we have to this is a results oriented business. Right. And so whatever their process leads to when it comes to GM and when it comes to head coach, 
Now, I don't know if Mark Davis wants to do GM first and then head coach or head coach centric, you know, whatever it's going to be. And he really wants to have Harbaugh uh, from Michigan, whatever it is. Like, we don't know, A, because he didn't announce, he didn't do any press conference or anything and he hasn't done any media. And I think in some ways that's a disservice to Raiders fans, but maybe that's a discussion for another day. So we just really don't know much about the process. I think in some ways that can be good because it might mean that they're being really thorough in everything that they're doing. Um, but I, I also think, and I probably said, you know, I said this last week or, or whatever it was, um, like it, it was a disservice to Mike Mayock, the way that he was dismissed, where media reports started surfacing that, right. you know, he was out before, that they were going to interview other candidates before they even announced that he was out. I think that that was a real disservice to him in the way that he kind of studied the ship with the franchise after everything that happened during the season, whether it was John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, or anything else. You know, I was surprised the last couple of days. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because essentially they're doing their job. But how many players jumped on Aaron Rodgers calling his Packers stint essentially a failure because he's only made and won one Super Bowl? And I I have to think a lot of it is because of his political stance and his COVID stance. What do you, what do you think? I mean, you breaking down what he's done over the years. It's a failure to only win one Super Bowl. Well, I mean, how do we view Peyton Manning? I mean, I, I think, and I think Jim Irsay has kind of said this, the fact that they only won one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning is kind of a shame with the Colts. Right. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about with Andrew Luck was it's not just one Super Bowl that we want to win with this generational quarterback. It's multiple. And now, obviously, that didn't happen. And, you know, the last time we saw Andrew Luck at that national championship game, pardon me, a motorcycle is going by my window. Uh, Like he looked very haggard and, you know, tired and like just, I don't know, like like somebody that didn't belong on television, really. Um, So. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is like a failure. I think that he didn't meet the potential that he could have been, right? It's sort of the same way that we view Dan Marino. He he never won the big one, never won the championship. Rodgers has won that. Um, So I don't think he's a total and complete failure. But yeah, the fact that he's only won one in this long career and the fact that, you know, you you get to the playoffs and part of it, I think, is game plan and part of its execution. You you don't get to the Super Bowl in this three-year run where you've won 13 games in each of the last three regular seasons. Like that's that's at least somewhat of a failure. I guess. I think it'd also be like, and of course no one's going to do this because time and place, but it would also be like hammering, you know, John Madden for losing so many AFC championships like there you're sometimes you're in eras where there are other outstanding quarterbacks and coaches and and you're, and you're not that team. Right. But I think especially in the NFC, there hasn't really been that dominant force, that dominant power, right? It's not like they were going up against the Patriots every single year. In in theory, Aaron Rodgers should have been that, but he wasn't. And I think in some ways he was hampered by Mark McCarthy and the way that they coached. Um, and I think we're sort of seeing that with the, the Cowboys right now. Uh, but also, for whatever reason, Matt LaFleur's Packers tend to have these clunkers, and they tend to come at bad times. Like They started the year horribly. Um, so, But I, what I don't think, and I know this isn't the question you asked, but I don't think that people are just – you know, hammering Aaron Rodgers. They don't like Aaron Rodgers because of his vaccination stats. Like, people are tuning in to root against me. Like, oh, come on. It, it, no, like, people are tuning in because they love football, all right? Like, football is literally the only thing in this country right now that can draw in at least 30 million viewers. Nothing else does that. And then, you know, these games this weekend were drawing 40-plus million people. Nothing does that but football. 
Uh, so it's not about you, Aaron Rodgers, and whatever persecution complex you have. Miles, awesome as always. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. There he is, Miles Simmons. Uh, coming up this Friday, big viewing party. Uh, Mr. UNLV, Tyler Bischoff, will be at PT's Pub, East Tropicana and Maryland. It's all brought to you by Miller Lite. The uh, game at hand is Colorado State hosting UNLV. $10 pitcher, uh, pitchers of Miller Lite. Uh, great prizes like UNLV cornhole games, UNLV shirts, hats, plus a uh, grand prize of a staycation at the Strat. Also a chance to win beer for a year from Miller Lite. Six o'clock this Friday, six o'clock this Friday, the PTs at Trop and Maryland with Bischoff as UNLV takes on Colorado State. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting. And there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move. Fat Pack time. Food story of the day, Candy. This one's a little misleading. I'm going to explain why, at least what, uh, from what I was expecting. Uh, New Jersey paper with a headline, this one-pound mozzarella stick almost killed me. Did you see a picture of this mozz stick? I did. Yeah, it's uh What do you think? It's a heifer. Um, yeah, I, I thought that it kind of looked like a giant fried Twinkie. Uh, in its own way, and yeah. I also thought to myself, uh, me and a couple of friends could take that down. Well, that's the thing. I think if you're uh, some sort of food critic, or um, I, I believe in this case, it's just a restaurant paid for an advertisement, so they got the story in the paper not to throw out scurrilous allegations, but I think this thing, uh, this this stuff kind of happens now. Um, this is not for one person. A one-pound mozzarella stick it is, not, uh, is not for one person. That's insane. You know why, honestly, um, I don't want to eat that many bites of the same thing. Like, I, I will sacrifice my gut for the cause if there's something that's worth eating that much of. Yeah. I mean, when I go to one of my favorite restaurants in Orange County, um, they have a pulled pork nachos dish that you don't order it by just like, hey, I want the pulled pork nachos. Yeah. You order it by the sheet. And when I say sheet, I mean by the sheet pan. Nice. As in the smallest order is a quarter sheet. And it costs you 20 bucks, and it'll feed you three times, but it's freaking outstanding. And I will sacrifice however many days off my life come off it for having these pulled pork nachos. I don't know that a giant mozzarella stick does the, does the trick for me. So I would expect your place in Orange County to be uh, kind of a celebratory fat fest, is it? Or like, what's the place like? Or is it kind of an upscale restaurant? I mean, I'll give a plug. It's out of market. Uh Mama's on 39 uh, down in Huntington Beach is actually like a sports bar. And they have this menu that is full of everything. You get breakfast if you want. Mm. But you go in there and they're not advertising, you know, in newspapers about their pulled pork nachos. They just know that, you know, if you pork it, they will come. I like that. Uh, this place with the one pound mozzarella stick. I looked at the menu and I'm like, nah, I'm out. Too fancy. What's Harissa? Oh, Harissa. Oh, I had to look it up. I've never. They have something called. Is it a shakshuka? Jersey fresh tomato. Shakshuka baby. And sourdough. So you know what Harissa is? 
I know what Harisa is. I know what a Shakshuka is. A Shakshuka is actually so bougie now that you can get yep. a Shakshuka starter in Trader Joe's. You can go in there and they give you the bowl mm. and they're like, they're like, hey, lazy ass, toss some eggs on this and you'll have a Shakshuka. I don't know if it's the same quality as uh, as this place. But by the way, why is a place serving a, a one pound mozzarella stick and a Shakshuka? That feels like we're trying to be too many things, to too many people. Yep, that's my question. They've got a broccoli Johnny cake. Uh, oh, stop. To... Stop. Yeah, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. If I'm going to get fat, give me something good to get fat on. And you and look who's talking, right? Like, I want to at least have uh, I want to at least have fun with it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. This, this, pl- this place with the uh, the one pound mozzarella sticks in Bloomfield, New Jersey. So folks want to I won't I won't even give them a pop out of market now. It's called a Brookdale. But uh, whoa, whoa. Let's, they, got, let's... they got their they got their national pop here. Um, by the way, we'll have to save this wave for the grab bag. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, put it on the tease board now. The Altoona pizza. Oh boy. About an hour from now, we got to talk about this one. We'll send out some pictures. Unbelievable. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. So much to get into. In the world of sports gambling, we'll have some uh, look ahead, some lean, some likes for the Final Four in the National Football League. But, you know, I've told you, Sam, and I've told you, Candy, Sam Paniotovich is with us that, you know, every state I go to when I travel, I try to open an account, check out what things are like there in terms of uh, legalized sports wagering. And I've come across a couple of states where I was like, wait a second, this sounds like there might be some taxes on the player, which wouldn't jive with normalcy. And we're seeing something weird, Sam. What are you seeing here out of Hawaii as they propose legalized sports gambling? The three of us have the bill up right now, and I still don't know. Candy, you're looking at this too. I'm still a little confused because my initial reaction to the language is that the consumer, the player, is being taxed at 55%. So if you lay 110 to win 100 and you win the bet, you don't get the 100, you get 45 bucks. Like that's my perception of the way this weird legislation has been written in Hawaii. But you think it might be the books getting taxed? Like, there's really not a lot of clarity. All I know is somebody's getting taxed at 55%, which is the largest rate in the country. And here's why I think it probably is just weird language, but it's still weird enough that you have to ask the question because it says on all winnings paid out. So, who does the paying? The sports book does the paying. So, you assume the tax is on the person who's paying it. But here's the thing about it. 55% is insane. Why does nobody understand? Historically, the hold in Nevada over the course of 50 years is 5.4%. That's the average every month. You can't make money doing that. And people are putting up with it. Books are putting up with it in New York because it's freaking New York because they made $600 million in handle. It just took in $600 million in handle in nine days. You might not get that in a year in Hawaii. So the idea that they're going to tax 55% on that is insane. And you know what's funny, guys, is that I remember having in-depth conversations. I moved out to Nevada in February 2018 to work at VEASAN, and I spent a lot of time behind the counter with Chris Andrews at the South Point, Ed Sammons, and John Murray at the Westgate. And as all of these states began to ruminate on the idea of legalizing because PASPA didn't go down until May of 18. None of these freaking states came to the Westgate 
or the South Point and asked any of the people who have been doing this for decades any questions, any tips, any advice. A lot of these states have just sort of put stuff together, got a bill passed, and they'll figure it out as they go along. And clearly, nobody in Hawaii was asking anybody with an idea of what they should do. Sam Paniotovich is with us. All right, we're going to get to the NFL in just a second here. Sam, of course, from Nesson and Fox Sports and has the Chicken Dinner podcast. Getting information to bet college basketball, I think, is one of the tougher things right now because of COVID, although it's slowed down a little bit. But, uh, you know, programs are very secretive. We had a situation yesterday with UNLV and Donovan Williams, their second best player, averaging like 20 points a game over his last eight. Well, he had uh, he came out for warmups late. His I didn't think his knee looked great. It was wrapped. He didn't play more than 14 minutes. He just was not effective, and it hurt UNLV. They lose by 25. So Illinois has got some injury situations going on here with Kofi Coburn and also Andre Corbello. Now, right now, as we're tracking the game, Illinois leads 34-20 to 20 with 17 seconds left in the first half. But uh, the info on Illinois has been hard to get, right, Sam? We've gotten it. Now, it worked out well last Thursday night, Friday morning. You know, I'm like, hey, Steve, Kofi Coburn's not going to play. And that line at that point was Maryland plus seven. Close Maryland plus four or something. They win the game big. Kofi gets ruled out. Today, I tweeted it out at Chicken Next Dinner where I put all of our college basketball bets. I found out that Andre Curbelo, the point guard, wasn't going to play. So I thought Michigan State plus five was a really good bet. That thing got down to four, started to get to three and a half, and then about 10 minutes before, you know, shoot around, uh, before the game, it, it comes out that Kofi Coburn isn't going to play again. So the Westgate in Vegas closed Illinois minus one and a half, South Point two, DraftKings two, Caesars two, Circa two, all these books two. And <laughs> you get the info on Curbelo, you make the bet at plus five, market closes two, one and a half. And I'm still down two freaking touchdowns. So if that just goes to show you how tough this stuff is, we had one of the guys that was out that wasn't public. Turns out the best player was also out, and it might not even matter. Uh, let's look at the NFL, not specifically this weekend, but futures going to the Super Bowl. I know you've had this philosophy in the past about, you know, let's deal with reality. Who can actually win the Super Bowl MVP? And you've got a good story right now on Patrick Mahomes and jumping on him now. I think you should because it's clear, given the point spread and the way the point spread has moved, you know, Kansas City opens up six and a half over Cincinnati, and that thing got blasted to seven pretty much right away. So now the Chiefs are a seven-point favorite at home, revenge on the mind. They want to get back to the Super Bowl. And that number, seven, minus seven, implies minus 330 on the money line, which implies 77% chance that the Chiefs win the game. So... I'm looking at Mahomes, who last week, before Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Josh Allen got knocked out, Mahomes is 4-1 to one to win MVP of the Super Bowl. Well, those three guys are gone, and now Mahomes is plus 190. But it's math. It's very simple math. If there's almost an 80% chance that the Chiefs beat the Bengals, you have to bet Mahomes at plus 190 because if they're in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs will be favored no matter who they play. And from the guys I can talk to, and that I do talk to, they say you have to open Mahomes at minus 150, maybe minus 170, and if it's a Kansas City-San Francisco Super Bowl, Mahomes might be minus 200. So what I wrote about was just simple. Why wait 
if you know Kansas City has a 80% chance to win the game, you might as well take plus 190 before it gets to next week and it's minus 150 or maybe minus 200. That's it. I want to put 190 in my pocket right now on Mahomes, who is very likely to lead his team back to the Super Bowl, and that price will be a whole lot more expensive, assuming that does come to fruition. Sammy, you surprised that thing opened below seven after what we saw with Kansas City on Sunday night? Yes and no. I was a little shocked that they were willing to give the wise guys minus six and a half. But at the same time, I wasn't that surprised because if they would have opened at seven, they probably would have written the early money on Cincinnati plus seven. I think what the books are doing here, Adam, is that they're trying to write bets. Like they're trying to fish hook you with Cincy. They want you to bet Cincy here because since he's already beaten Kansas City, since he's been a very popular team in this postseason, the public was all over the Bengals against the Raiders. They were all over the Bengals against the Titans. And I, I think they're sort of baiting you with Bengals plus seven. Here's the situation. They're down two starting linemen, and there's a chance they're down three offensive linemen by the time we get to Sunday against a defensive front with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Melvin Ingram. This could be bad. This could be really bad for a very young Bengals team. If you can't protect Joe Burrow, you don't have a chance in this game because we know Kansas City's going to score. Tennessee can't score. Kansas City can. And if they're able to unleash the pass rush through a very battered and bruised offensive line for Cincy, guys, this could get really ugly. It could. I'm not saying it will, but it could. Cincinnati gave up nine sacks last week. Nine. I mean, if you could have asked the Bengals, who do you want to play? Do you want to go to Tennessee or do you want to go to Kansas City? I don't care if they just beat him a couple of weeks ago. It's obvious. And so now you talk about if the Chiefs put up anything close to that in terms of the sack numbers, you're you're not going to get the benefit that you did uh, from Ryan Tannehill out of Patrick Mahomes. So I I, look, the, the Bengals have been a great story, but they are here by a number of miracles at this point. So and I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm you. Ask, yeah, and I'm asking myself, you know, Steve and Adam, what do I do? Because I've got Kansas City to win the AFC at plus 650. Should that ticket be alive? Probably not, but I don't give a damn because it is. You know, I thought I, that ticket was dead, then it was alive, then it was dead, then it was alive. That Buffalo-Kansas City game, I almost fainted a couple times. But now I've got the Chiefs to win the conference. So win one more game as a seven-point favorite, which they should. Let's just call it $100. Say I have 100 to win 650 do you take Bengals money line or do you ride it out? What would you guys do? Candy? I probably would have a small piece of Bengals money line and, and, and be locked in considering what the price is. But the thing is, if you assume that the late money is going to be Kansas City money, you probably don't want to play it yet, right? I mean, you're probably going to hold and see if you can get something better because if it's been sitting seven and it hasn't come back yet, then they're obviously not getting a lot of Cincy action early. I see a couple offshore shops at seven and a half, and yeah. that money line at that spot is minus three fifty. So it's three to one. So you're right. I'll probably wait. If I have a hundred to win six fifty on Kansas City, how do I not put fifty on the Bengals at almost three to one? If the Bengals win, I make fifty bucks. If the Chiefs win, I make six hundred. You just don't want to be in a position where you could lose any money. That's where I'm at at this point. Real quick, we got about a minute left here, Sam. Sam Paniotovich, Nesson is with us. What do you do with San Fran and the Rams? 
probably the under. I mean, that's the way the market's moving right now. I found it very fascinating that they opened 47, which is a very keen number. You know, wise guys will tell you 47 and 44, the two most important totals. So they opened 47, and within about 55 seconds, it, it hit down to 46 and a half. Now we're at 46 at a lot of respected shops. These are two really good defenses. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo as an offensive producer. I mean, the guy stunk last game. They didn't even score an offensive touchdown. You got to go under 46 at this point, I would think. I think this has 23-17, 24-20 written all over it. I'd go under if I had to bet that game. Sam, where can people find your story on Mahomes? It's at Nesson, Nesson.com uh, slash bets. All of our betting content is there. I got a story coming up tomorrow uh, about all the ways that you might be able to hedge your future tickets. So we're trying to get as informative as we can, my friend. I appreciate you uh, letting me plug my crap. I know it's not that great. Of course, of course, man. Sammy, thank you. All right, let's go uh, Michigan State. Come on, get it together. Let's get, get we got this uh, unbelievable bet on paper, plus five with Michigan State, and they're getting bombed at the half. Even uh, good information sometimes blows up right in your face. Five o'clock hour is on the way. We'll uh, talk more about the Raiders candidates, both with the uh, GM and the head coach positions as more names come out. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.